Hey everybody, this is Robert Roundtree and you're listening to the Marijuana Solution. This week we speak with Corey Hutchinson. Corey is a Democrat considering a run against Julio Gonzalez in the 74th District of Florida. Julio Gonzalez is the doctor who said on the floor of the House of Representatives that medical marijuana is not real. Corey not only supports medical marijuana, he also supports adult use cannabis. We're going to talk to him about some of his ideas for the Northport area where he lives on how to bolster jobs, increase spending for mental health, infrastructure, and many other areas that seem to be lacking under the Julio Gonzalez leadership. Hey, Corey, how are you doing today? Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, I'm 21. I've, uh, I live in Northport. I've been a Northport resident for 17 years now. I've lived in Sarasota County my whole life. I was born in Sarasota. Um, I work for the uh, Sarasota County School Board right now. I'm a college and career advisor at Laurel and Coma School. Um, I have an gradu- undergraduate degree, bachelor's degree in English, and I'm working on my master's degree in business administration right now. Okay, so you're pretty darn successful. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. What is it that made you want to get involved in politics at such a young age? I think that we need a lot of diversity uh, in our leadership. We have a lot of the same type of people running. They're from the same groups. They're the same profession. They're all business or they're law or something like that. We need to have all sorts of representation in our legislature. We need people that will stand up for um, the families and the working class and those that know the struggles of what's going on here in our region. You know, as a young person starting out, I know a lot of what our young people and our families are facing. I know a lot about um, some of the issues that we have. And I think that we need people with perspectives that have not been drowned out by the political talk, but perspectives that come from outside that can actually bring solutions to the table to fix the problems that we have. Well, there's a lot of job security in that because we have a lot of problems, as you well know. Right. What are some of the key issues that that you'd like to focus on as yourself? What do do you see as the most important issues for your area of the state? We have a lot of people in poverty in this area. Um, A lot of people like to paint Sarasota and Venice as this wonderful community with white sandy beaches and a tourist community. And yeah, we are a tourist community, but we have people that live here and pay taxes here year round. We have people living in little trailers because they can't afford anything more. We have people who are addicted to drugs and opioids. The opioid crisis here is bad. Our suicide rate is high because we have a lackluster mental health care system. We have people who can't afford food for the kids. We have people who can't afford a car payment, so they don't have a car, so it's very difficult for them to get a job. We have people here who made mistakes in the past and got convicted of a felony. They don't have their rights restored, so they're not able to get a job. They're not able to vote. They're not able to do all these things that they want to do. We have a lot of people that are in trouble in our area and we need to first fix the wages because our wages are way too low for the cost of living especially once you get to Venice and Sarasota we need to improve our health care system especially as it regards to mental health care 
we need to improve our infrastructure. We have an influx of people moving to the area. Our roads are getting overcrowded. We don't have the funding because we're not budgeting correctly to build more roads or repair the ones that we already have. We have bad traffic management and we need to plan better for our future. The population is going to grow a lot, especially in Northport where I live. It's expected to go to 120,000 within the next 10 to 20 years. We don't have the infrastructure to support that. So we've got to support funding those things. We've got to support getting people off of the uh, drugs and the opioid crisis. We've got to get people in job training to get jobs so that the way they can take care of their families. You know, um, it's, it's no mistake what I'm about. This is the Marijuana Solution Podcast. I I hear what you're saying, and, you know, the medical cannabis and hopefully, in my opinion, adult use, it can solve a lot of those issues. Definitely jobs and good-paying jobs. The uh, dispensaries right now, they're paying around 12 to $15 to work at just the call center. And the growth yeah, potential is huge. The uh, opioids, I'm a veteran, and 22 veterans a day commit suicide, not to mention all the other mental health that plagues the everyday uh, citizen in the country or in your jurisdiction. Uh, The opioids are out of control in Florida. Uh, Cannabis could help that. And mental health just in general, a lot of the qualifying conditions right now in the state are mental health-based. You know, you have Alzheimer's, you have... Um, or neurological, you have ALS, you have PTSD. There's just a lot of different conditions, Parkinson's. What's your opinion on medical um, marijuana and how it's been implemented by the uh, state? Well, I am for medical marijuana. Actually, I support legalizing it fully, recreationally, whole flower, allowing certain regions to be able to grow it. Uh, utilizing it for manufacturing things like clothing, paper, all these things it can do. But the state has been absolutely awful, especially our representative, Mr. Gonzalez, in implementing it. 72% of the state in 2016 voted for uh, medical marijuana, passed the amendment. It's about the same percentage of District 74 residents voted for it. And we have legislators who are saying, we don't care what you voted for. We're going to put all these restrictions on it, and we're going to do all these things that make it non-accessible. You know, how do you do that? The residents said they wanted it. It doesn't matter what you personally think about marijuana. Your residents wanted it. You took an oath to represent your residents. You represent them, and you pass it. You pass legislation. It's not that complicated. It should have been done already. They should have had this passed. We should have had it legalized fully already. But these legislators are worried about the pharmaceutical companies that are giving them money. If you pass marijuana, the pharmaceutical companies are going to drop in profits. The insurance companies are going to drop in profits. I don't care about pharmaceutical companies. I don't care about insurance companies. I care about the health of people. You know, my mother has Parkinson's disease. I know what it's like to watch a loved one basically waste away from a neurological condition. I don't want people to have to suffer. I want people to be able to use medical marijuana to be able to get the treatments they need and not treatments that come in little bottles that cost thousands of dollars a month that require insurance companies to develop big monopolies. I'm not about that. So our legislature has failed. Our representative has failed on this ground of medical marijuana, and he's a doctor, which makes it equally bad. 
And we need people that are going to support common sense, which would be to legalize marijuana. It should have been done already. Yeah, Julio Gonzalez, the representative from District 74 that you were speaking of, he he fired up a lot of patients and advocates and activists last year with some of his comments on the House floor, especially when he said medical marijuana isn't real. I think he compared it to the story of, was it Gasparilla? Um, yeah, he was using the Gasparilla reference quite frequently in that whole rant that he was doing. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, a guy that writes the Federalist Papers and considers himself a model conservative, won't implement the will in a state with 71 you know, 72% of the people voting. And the scary thing is you mentioned it. He is also a doctor. So his uninformed colleagues, they naturally are going to turn to him to provide, you know, the most educated uh, opinion on how to implement things safely. I don't think, I think a lot of the politicians are, they, they really don't understand it to be honest. And we need better education of them. They need that, and I think, you know, it's really a shame for Mr. Gonzalez that he's been ignorant of the benefits of medical marijuana, and I don't know if it's because he's not willing to learn, or he hasn't, or he didn't, but, you know, he's an orthopedic surgeon, Uh, you know, after you get surgery, there's pain, you know, you could prescribe medical marijuana to help heal some of that pain, Uh, there's no reason why uh, he, he wouldn't want to learn about that so i don't know if there's a motive for it or whatever but it's unfortunate and it's unfortunate that people have to suffer because of it because you're dependent on these leaders to pass these bills and they're not because they have their own beliefs and i'm not sitting there uh, trying to side with a representative who thinks he knows what's best for everybody more than they know what's best for themselves absolutely and at the end of the day politicians are elected to become elected officials and if an overwhelming majority that's a mandate 70 something percent you just have to grin and bear it and get it done that's what you're elected to do make the tough choices and tough actions that have to be done and sometimes that's what's required even if it goes directly against any moral objection or perceived scientific objection or whatever it is because if not, exactly. we're kind of losing out on the fundamental, you know, like the core part of our uh, representative democracy. Right. And this is going on, you know, across the state. But this um, district, we've got a lot of people that have been asking for a long time to get, you know, the, the wages in a good place to get better health care benefits these type of things, and it's being ignored. And Visit Sarasota, all these tourism companies and enterprise companies, they're getting a lot of funding, they're getting a lot of attention, but our people that live here every day are getting left behind. And that's not fair, because they live here every day, they live it every day, they pay their taxes here, and we're catering to these outside interests. I understand we're a tourist community, I get that, but we're forgetting about the people who have built this community, the people who run this community. And that's important. You have to, it has to start at home. And it's unfortunate that a lot of times when some elected officials see a pocketbook that's getting a little bigger than others in their course of government, they, they like to put their hands in it 
and think that they can do what's best when there's a lot better uses of resources. I mean, you've outlined a bunch of them. What are some of your other ideas that would help, you know, the mental health situation, uh, wages, and all the other items that you mentioned? Well, with regards to mental health, we've got to fund it. I mean, that sounds very simplistic, but we don't fund it very well at all. We're ranked very close to the bottom in overall health care funding and mental health care funding. You have to be able to have money to try to build these programs. If we could put more funding into it, that will be a good step forward. Then what we need to do is take advantage of like um, – there's Charlotte companies like Charlotte Behavioral and these companies. Start taking advantage of these companies. Build more places where people can go to for mental health counseling. Increase the amount of counselors that you have. Uh, increase the number of call centers so that people can call if they're not comfortable going to someplace. Uh, increase the amount of programs for those who are facing addiction. It's all about penalties right now. It's you have an addiction, we're going to put you in jail for it. We jail too many people. We need to instead focus on centers that will help rehabilitate these people, that will get people off the addictions. Most addictions are not caused necessarily by the drug. The root cause is something in their lives. They're taking the drug to get over something that's going on. And that's why people are turning to opioids, turning to other very harmful drugs. So if we legalize marijuana, that'll help that. If we um, increase our mental health funding, that'll help us be able to fund more places for people to turn to with a focus on counseling. Uh, I want to cut the funding to visit Sarasota and these tourism companies because to me that's corporate welfare. We're using taxpayer-based money to fund baseball stadiums and other things. These are multi-billion dollar corporations. They want to come here. They want to build things. They can budget for it and build it. If you or I want to build a house or build something or make something, we don't get to go to our local commission and ask for money to build it. We have to build it ourselves. These sports teams need to build it themselves. So we're going to cut the funding to visit Sarasota, and we're going to take that money. We're going to put it into our uh, mental health, we're going to put it into our education. If we have better job training, better public education, we will see more people that are going to get better jobs that are going to move forward in their lives. And that will help solve some of that job and wage issue. I do want to see at least a moderate increase in the minimum wage to at least about $10 or so and uh, work on expanding the earned income tax credit which will allow both single people and people with families and kids to keep more of their income that they earn. Yeah, that would be a really big help for a lot of families, especially in your area where you said poverty is a real big issue. Mental health, obviously, I think that cannabis is going to continue to help the mental health situation. And just to make a note for those listening, Florida ranks 49th in per capita mental health spending. Yeah, I've let that sit it in on you for a while. That, that, that's, that's disgusting. That's horrible. We generate a lot of wealth in this yep. state. Oh, yeah, we generate a lot of money, and you can find out real quick it's going to some medical company, it's going to our tourism companies, it's going to all of these places. It's not going to help anybody. It's going to help corporations. And our education funding was gutted, and it hasn't come back to the levels that it was at before. 
We're giving money, a lot of money, to charter schools, and I don't have anything against charter schools. I like the the ability for parents to have choice, but charter schools are not on an even playing field with public schools. Public schools have a lot more regulations that we have to follow. So if we can make it an even playing field and fund both, fine, but you can't give charter schools all this money when they have easier ways to do things. They're not under the same scrutiny. Their teachers aren't under the same scrutiny. So I think we need to bolster our education system, and we need to try. We need to try like hell to force other states or whoever to break out of Common Core to get education back to our teachers so they can actually teach. I don't even know where to start with Common Core, but that's it's really bad to even think that 20 million people in just one state need to all be taught the same. And then, you know, we talk about the country, almost 400 million we're closing in on. That's just it's 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 insane and um, I I have my theories about it but it's definitely not in the best interest of the student and in the end for our country because yeah, we're not absolutely. utilizing our resources like we should be in the education I I even don't think that everyone needs to be stuck in the same grades at the same age some people learn faster some people learn slower and there's nothing wrong with that. And it needs to get more on a uh, on a more fluid basis of teaching. Everyone can't learn the right. same. Right. It needs to be more individual based so that we can, you know, help the students that need the help. But the students that are doing really well and excelling, we don't want to hold them back. I always used to want to be a teacher. And I've gotten into education now and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, my God, what have we done? What have we done to this education system? It's it's not good, but it one thing that the education system is good at is teaching people to follow the the leader and just repeat information. It, it it's almost yeah. as if large corporations are wanting to make a bunch of good workers instead of inspiring people to be creative and innovate. Right. You know, it helps the large corporations when people just follow them because if people grow up to be free thinkers and they question them, well, then corporations are going to have to start being honest and come clean about what's going on. They don't want that, but that's what we need. That's what I want. I want people to be questioned. I want every representative to be questioned. I want every business manager, everybody to be questioned about what they're doing because it's going to lead to better ideas to help us move forward. If you're with a group of people and nobody ever questions you and everybody just follows what you do 100%, uh, it's not going to be good because you're going to eventually grow stagnant. You'll go down a bad road. People have to have the will and the courage to stand up and start asking the tough questions of those who are supposed to be looking out for our benefit. They're supposed to be getting asked the tough questions, and I think a lot of people are genuinely afraid for whatever reason, and I've just found that from speaking out on the medical marijuana issue and engaging with a lot of local politicians because I go to organize people, and that's a big feedback I get for why someone doesn't want to get involved. Uh, and that holds true with politics. Politics has gotten a dirty name because of all the infighting between between two parties. Um, which party do you identify with, and what do you think about 
the two-party system? Well, I'm um, registered as a Democrat because I have a lot of more progressive viewpoints, but the two-party system is uh, really heading down the road of being a broken system, and I'll admit that as someone registered with one of those parties. I support fully having open debates where other parties can join in. I want every party, everybody to be on a debate stage. I want everybody with a shot because it's going to keep the rest of us honest. I don't want to be a politician who gets elected because I'm registering with a majority party in a district or whatever. I want to get elected because the people see me as an individual, as someone who would be a good leader. And the issue is you have party leaders on both sides who have selected candidates that they want to run because they identify with whatever the goals of that party is. So you have, let's say the Republicans want a certain platform. Well, you've got six Republican candidates, but four of them don't follow the platform that they want for that year's election. Those four aren't going to get the funding. They're not going to get the support. They're going to get cast aside. The other two will get picked and get funded and whatever. It's a rigged system that favors certain candidates. And I have not always been well-liked by the people in my party because I don't play that game. I don't sit there and you know be a good puppet and just follow whatever the leader wants me to do. I represent what I think is best. If they like me for it, fine. If they don't, I don't care. I'm not looking to work my ranks up the way of the Democratic Party and become their chairperson someday. I think that we need to have the fair debates, the open debates, and we need people, too, to start taking these other candidates like independents and these folks seriously. You know, don't just look at somebody for a Democrat or a Republican name. Look at the independents. Look at everybody, because I've supported people from all different parties in the past because I believe in people as leaders, not just a letter next to their name. Absolutely. It's unfortunate that the way our politics are set up, that without registering in one of those two parties, you miss out on some of the voting opportunities. Right. And to me, you know, we that, have a to me that should almost be unconstitutional or something. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections and get premier brand exposure. This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap channel. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. 
These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Expo.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. It's been around too long. It's run its course. It's ended its useful life. We need to open it up. 100% because there's I'm registered Republican and there's plenty of times I would like to vote for a Democrat, especially if I don't like the sitting Republican, but I can't not allowed to. And in some States you can do that, which I think is, that's really good. Right. And you know, or you'd have to change your party and then change it back or whatever. And if you're active with a party and you change your party to the other one, then those party leaders are going to get upset and wonder, you know, what's going on. And it's just, it's bad. It is. Um, the district that you're in, it's it's fairly conservative, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, very much uh, Republican-leaning, has been for a long time. Northport, the city that I live in, swings quite often based on normally who wins the national elections. There are a lot of Democrat supporters in Northport, uh, Venice and Inglewood tend to be a lot more Republican-leaning. Sarasota, the southern part which the district's in, has a, a Democratic presence there. But um, it's been uh, right-leaning for a while. But I think that we're, we're getting to a point where hopefully we can sort of break the stranglehold on who's right-leaning and left-leaning and just introduce viewpoints that may be moderate, and people are like, okay, I can see that because it's a compromise. It's not necessarily leaning one way or another. Well, there has to be a compromise, because if not, we end up with situations where people are trying to lock the other side out of being able to vote. (laughs) Sounds like they're afraid of compromise. Right. What else... 
what else would you like to talk about? Is there anything else that that you would do if you were elected? Yeah, there's um there's some things. I want to uh, increase our budget for our first responders, our police officers, especially our um, Florida Highway Patrol folks, because their wages are extremely low for a highway patrol group. We have some of the lowest paid troopers, and we've also got some of the best troopers nationwide. You know, they're paid, I think, 38000 a year to start with. In my opinion, that's not enough to risk your life while cars are buzzing right past you on the highway. So we need to increase their wages. We need to increase opportunities for our first responders to have better benefits, better wages. These people risk their lives all the time. You know, you said you were a veteran, and thank you for your service. And we need to make sure also that we have enough veteran services here, too. I don't think we do. We need to have the proper counseling and the proper things in place. Now, you might be able to speak to this because you were a veteran. You've been there. But there's a lot of training before veterans go into a war situation. But I don't see a lot of time after they come back to reacclimate to day-to-day life here versus the situation that they were in. And I'm wondering if we had programs or something in place where the veterans that come back can have a chance to acclimate themselves back to life here, if that would curb some of our PTSD issues that we have. Uh, yeah. Thank, first off, thank you. And um, to answer that question and give a little context, right now, 20% of veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan are coming back with PTSD. The training, reintroduction, transitional, it's its really non-existent. It, I mean, it's, it's really, it's joked about. I didn't do any combat. I uh, worked on weapon systems for the S3 Vikings out of NAS Jacks. Okay. But from the guys returning home, there's, I mean, it's kind of left up to themselves and their families and, and their support network. And the way PTSD works, a lot of times everyone around them, you know, they're, they don't, they're not capable of dealing with it. I mean, it takes training to be able to understand that when somebody's freaking out or breaking things or yelling and screaming at you, that it's not really them. So often the PTSD comes home, then it affects the wife or the husband, the children, the grandmothers, the mom, you know, everybody. So we definitely need to be able to get our veterans coming home a way to get reacclimated and also provide ongoing mental health for them, you know, mental health services outside of pills in a bottle because right. they're, they're, I mean, they're just, it wastes them away. A really good friend of mine, one of my best friends, I love him to death, Jose Belen, he founded an organization called Mission Zero and its mission is to bring the number of veteran suicides from 22 from PTSD a day down to zero. He's also a plaintiff in the lawsuit that's been filed against Jeff Sessions and the DEA and DOJ to deschedule cannabis and remove it from the Controlled Substances Act. And <clears throat> he often talks about the you know there's there's no real no real training and the families become the silent victims and 
we owe it to ourselves to make sure that not only the veterans mental health thing gets addressed fast because of how high of a percentage of that population is coming back with PTSD, but also just mental health in general. 49th is, is we should be number one. Florida should be number one. We're the sunshine state. Everyone loves to come to Florida and it would be great if everyone here was happy and not sad and depressed and on pills and with no services because we're 49th. I mean, that, that, that would be okay if your economy was 49th in this state. The last I checked, we're one of the top. Right, and because we get a lot of money coming in here, but we're not spending the money on the proper things, and that's the biggest issue. You know, we've got to fund the right programs and veterans' health, mental health, funding education. These are things that are critical to the advancement of our society. All that money that we have is no good if we have people committing suicide, if we have people that are getting addicted to things, if we have pharmaceutical industries that have just created monopolies. You know, it's not a fair system that's benefiting the people that live here, the people that go and fight in our wars, our first responders. All of these people are getting shafted because we're supporting these corporate people, we're supporting special interests, we're supporting monopolies and companies. That's corporate welfare, and that needs to be cut right off in the next budget we need to cut the corporate welfare take that money and fund it for the public because that's who it's supposed to go to corporate welfare is not okay i would be okay with corporate welfare if everyone else had everything they needed and then we still had some extra sure go for it but right. it's not that way do you, do you know what uruguay did for their mental health and law enforcement issue uh, no, I'm not familiar with that, but I would be very interested to hear it. They decriminalized all drugs. And okay. what I they found Portugal out... Yeah, what they found out was... And not only that, but they put a price ceiling on cannabis because cannabis was legal. But when they decriminalized all drugs and diverted the money from law enforcement to mental health resources. They now have the lowest rate of drug abuse because, it, as you mentioned earlier, which I applaud you on, the root of addiction is a mental health issue, and the drug yep. is a way of self-medicating. Some drugs happen to release different neuroreceptors and dopamine uh, and you know different endorphins cannabinoids that we make in our brain which make us feel happy and some release them a lot faster at higher volumes and that's why they're so-called addictive it's not the chemical I mean the chemicals just sitting there exactly it's the response and, you know, nobody gets out there and starts taking opioids because they're curious or because they think it's fun. They do it as a way to put a band-aid over something that they're going through that either they can't control or is not going to end for some foreseeable amount of time. And that's what we need to do is attack the root of the problem. If you want to kill a weed, you cut it at its roots. we got to cut problems at their roots, not keep putting band-aids on things. Because band-aids fall off, they cost a lot of money, they don't do anything thing we incarcerate so many people for drugs people selling a dime bag of weed get incarcerated for 10 years they get a felony they'll never get a job they'll never be able to vote we have people who rape people we have people who murder people they're out in five years back in society they can vote 
they can do all that. You know, it's an unbalanced system. We have jails that are overflowing. That's tax dollars to pay for that. That's tax dollars to pay for the law enforcement to go prosecute that. And I don't necessarily blame the police officers for it because they're just doing a job. They're trying to feed their families. I blame the justice system for having these bad laws. I'd also like to restore felons' rights to vote. If you've completed your sentence, you're a productive member of society. You should be able to vote again. I'm not going to hold a mistake you made at 19 to you for the rest of your life. That's not fair because I guarantee you the politicians, the majority of them sitting in legislature, have done worse. And they've gotten elected to represent us. Yeah, it's it's a unfortunate situation when you're sentenced to prison, you do your time. You do it with good behavior. They let you out. And then you're still serving like a lifetime sentence because you have no more. You, you can't do anything. You can't sign a petition. You can't you can't vote in an election. Right. And, and I've met these people and talked with them and they're nice people. They're volunteering at their local church. They're taking their kids to the library. They're reading to their kids. They're taking care of their responsibilities. And I'm like, they can't vote. They get asked if they have a felony on job applications. You know, all these things because of a mistake they made 10, 20 years ago. We all make mistakes. Do do we force people to pay for things for the rest of their life? No. And some of the people who say, well, they shouldn't have made that mistake. Those people who are saying that probably have a double standard because they probably did something equivalent. They just didn't get caught. Oh, absolutely. If you talk to any law enforcement officer, they'll tell you most people commit many felonies every year of their life that they could be charged for. They just don't get caught because it's there's many simple things that you can get charged really serious crimes with, especially when it involves an automobile. And a lot of times things happen or accidents, but we live in a society where we hold each other accountable and if you're sentenced you serve your time that should be it right that's that's it. your Done. accountability that that's it because if if you're so bad you can't even vote then you should probably still be behind bars mhm exactly and if you are a productive member of society we should be able to allow you to vote but i guarantee the politicians are keeping it the way it is because they're worried about their re-elections, and that's what it always boils down to. It's old views, old ideas that have run out of their useful life, and now we've got people in fear of social ostracization or whatever if they were to allow felons to vote again because it would somehow harm the person that's in elected office. And it, that's a rigged system, and that needs to change a long time ago, but definitely in the immediate future. It's definitely a rigged system. That's one of the reasons I love the cannabis movement is by default, it's exposing people to a lot of the corruption that's built in with the system and things are being changed. Uh, people are gaining a voice. Have you decided if you're going to run against one of the cannabis industry's most hated politicians, Julio Gonzalez? 
Uh, we're working our way towards that. I've got, um, you know, my inner circle of supporters with me and we're talking about it and we've got a thing online called CrowdPack, and I hadn't heard of this until recently. It's basically a site where people can either endorse, which is totally free, or they pledge support to somebody and they're only charged that donation if the person actually decides to run. And it's basically a way of exploring uh, feasibility of running. So I'm, I'm set up on there. I want to just sort of explore the feasibility of a run. I want to make sure that we have at least a shot at it, a shot at attaining our goal. Because if I go out into an election and I start collecting donations and people are volunteering their time, I want to make sure that it's worthwhile for them. So we're going to explore for a little bit with an exploratory campaign. If the results are good, we're getting support, we're getting the momentum we need, then we'll uh, file to run and do it um, the right way. And, you know, it'll be a, a good race. It'll be a tough race, obviously, because of the district that I'm in. But I, I'm willing to take it on because I can tell you, Mr. Gonzalez has got a lot more issues than just cannabis. That's a bad enough one, but he's got a lot more issues. You know, he's threatening to punch people in the face on Twitter. He's doing all these things. That's not how a representative acts. That's hey, not how you elect. Let me interject there real quick. It Yeah. It's ironic that he said that on Twitter because he called the police on me for a tweet. I dropped an F-bomb in one tweet, and then in another tweet, I, I just said we were going to show up and protest civilly but loud, or loud but civilly. I made sure to put it was going to be civil because the after he had those statements about medical marijuana isn't real people were fired up and we we had to let him know that that's not okay and it's not founded in science and yeah the the sheriff's office called me and then he's out there telling people he wants to punch him in the face i i did the right thing i took the message down i i guess it bothered him or something i guess he got scared i mean i'm just the guy over here talking I'm not really yeah, well, like, I mean, you know, I, I should be allowed to, to say I'm going to show up and yell at your event because that's kind of a foundation to our democracy is being able to assemble and voice our concern. And when the founding fathers were having their political races, they said the most awful things about each other. If you go back and look, I mean, it was downright dirty. Oh, yeah, I've read some of that. And let me tell you, you know, I think it was John Adams that put in a newspaper that the, his rival was dead or something during the campaign. And it's like, wow. But, um, you know, yeah, and that's the First Amendment to protest civilly. I mean, that's what we're guaranteed. That's what we should be doing. And that's the double standard that he thinks he knows what's best for everybody. And if you challenge him, you're just not as smart as he is. And I've seen his dialogue on Facebook, on his little Facebook page and stuff. He insults people. I mean, downright insults people if they don't agree with him. And I, I don't want that. I, my goal is I'm the same person. If I get elected, I'm the same person being elected as I am now. You can approach me. You can talk to me. You can yell at me for an hour straight if you want. Whatever. But we're going to have a good one-on-one -on -one relationship with everybody. That's what the goal is. I'm not going to be this person that demeans and degrades people because that's not proper conduct of an elected official. And he wants to talk about the Bible and Christianity and all this stuff and then go act like that. Give me a break. Oh, he's very hypocritical, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the one that passes final judgment on anybody, but in my humble opinion, I think he's hypocritical 
almost to a laughable extent, and sometimes he seems to relish in it. And like you said, taunt people online. Oh, no doubt, because he's very confident, I'm sure, in his position and his ability to get reelected and, you know, all this stuff. And that's all fine. Just stay there. Stay in that position and be overconfident because people sneak up on you when you have that attitude. Well, Corey, I definitely support you. If anybody listening to this doesn't support Mr. Hutchinson, please, please unsubscribe. That means you support Dr. Gonzalez, and we're not about that. <laughs> so uh, I, I appreciate your time today. Uh, is there anything else oh, that you would like to say? I mean, we've got a little more, little bit more time. Sure. Um, I do want to work on a bill uh, to draft something if if I run and am elected that will basically force all of our legislators to be bound to the same health care and benefits that you and I have. I don't want this system where they get all these great and glorious benefits. Yeah, they're doing a great service to the community by being representative. Yeah, it's a lot of work and you put yourself out there. But the problem is they have all these good benefits. They start to care less about what the rest of us are left with. I want an equal playing field. You have the same benefits that all of us have. And if we do that and something like that passes – then we're going to have, I think, better health care because these legislators are going to be like, whoa, I don't have these free benefits that were so glorious that I had before. Now I see how everybody has to live, and we're going to change that and make the benefits better. It's those type of bills and things that I want to work on that makes this more of an equal playing field. And my hope is that we'll elect good people across the board so that we can all work together because it's going to take more than one, but – I'll be feisty, I'll get in there, I'll, I'll do what I need to do, and then hopefully we work together and can get some of these good things passed, and at least, if I'm elected in the first two-year term, get a foundation for these things moving forward. They take time, but we need to get a foundation moving forward. Absolutely. I appreciate your time today, Corey. It's been a very good conversation, and I'm I'm in your corner. I'm hoping that your exploratory campaign turns out well and you take the next step and become the next official in the 74th district. I, I hope so. That would be great. And um, thank you for your time. Thank you for, take, thank you for taking the time to, to talk to me. And um, I appreciate all the work that you all have done as a group to work to legalize cannabis and essentially legalize freedom. And also, thank you for your service to our country as a veteran. It's very much appreciated. Uh, my dad was in the National Guard. I've got a long family line of people who are in the military, so I definitely appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been my honor to speak with you. Uh, after we hang up, I'm going to put you in touch with with my buddy. He, he's um, really active in lobbying and politicking on the local state and national level and i think you guys may have some synergies okay fantastic i appreciate that thanks have a great day you've been listening to the marijuana solution a well a well of this marijuana solution the opinions expressed on this cannabisradio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of cannabisradio.com Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.